We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome into another Lock It Up with Kurtz podcast on KCSN. I am John Kurtz, joined by Aaron Lockett, as I am each and every week, former K-State and NFL wide receiver. Cats clean up in Lawrence, 35-10, to 10, no problems at all with the Jayhawks. They've now won three straight and are bowl eligible, and the season feels much different than it did <laughs> just a couple of weeks ago. And all seems right with the world. Now heading into a home stretch of teams that K-State is 0-6 against since Chris Kleiman took over. So things will be very interesting here over the last – month of the season but before we get into that need to remind you again 11 a.m kickoff coming up this weekend that means get the screwdrivers out get the oj ready to go and of course the 360 vodka from holiday distillery whatever it is that you're trying to do at your tailgate for the k-state game this weekend if you're staying around at home wherever you're going to be watching the game load up on 360 vodka from holiday distillery they have been awesome partners and they have anything you want craft cocktails big batch drinks whatever it is that you're trying to do they will hook you up and uh, they are awesome. If you guys had a chance to come uh, check us out live in Manhattan uh, a couple of weeks ago for the last K-State football home game, you got to experience some of that and the hospitality from those guys. So appreciate everything that they do. <clears throat> Continue. <clears throat> excuse me. I'm getting all choked up here talking about 360 Vodka. Continue <laughs> to, uh, to load up on that as the season rolls along. But, Aaron, really fun. I made the trip to, uh, to Lawrence. I promised that I was well-behaved enough in the stands uh, for the first time there in a long time. But uh, K-State wins 35-10 to 10 in a game that honestly wasn't really even as close as the final score would indicate. I mean, K-State could have easily won that by another couple of scores. And uh, it just felt good. Very businesslike, pretty clean game for K-State. They went out and took control early and never left any sort of drama uh, throughout this game. When we saw an Oklahoma team a couple of weeks ago struggle to do the same in Lawrence. No, I like what you just said, business trip. I like the fact that we went in there. Very confident, got ahead pretty early, executed, making sure we didn't make the same mistakes we've been making historically against ourselves. Um, and it turned out well. And so we got to get back used to winning. Those are the games we're supposed to win, right? When you just look at it on paper, look at the competition, uh, it played out the way we expected it to. You know, give the ball to Deuce, let him run for 100-plus yards, get Malik Nose close to 100 yards, get Skylar close to 300 yards, get some other guys some experience. That's just the game within the game for us. And so I was glad to see – Another Big 12 win for us. It puts us, like you said, bowl eligible, and it makes us a little bit more comfortable going forward for the remaining games. Yeah, and to the point of how much of a business trip it was, how much K-State really did take care of business, 
I saw the net success rate for this game, which may be for some people a little bit too in-depth on the advanced stats. But basically, that's just going to show you, even if a final score may not indicate it, how dominant was one team over another. The success rate is basically on first and 10, you need to gain a certain amount of yardage for the play to be considered successful, second down, third down, etc. The net success rate for this game was the second highest margin of any game that was played in Power 5 football over the weekend. So basically, K-State dominated this game as much as anybody outside of one team in college football on Saturday, which we continue to say it last week. It's like, hey, be the dominant team, show that there's no letting up right now, New coach again at Kansas, set the tone like he did a couple of years ago against Les Miles. And not only did they do that, it was almost the exact same score. That was a 38 to 10 game and a win over Les Miles and company. This one was 35 to 10 and included in that was a missed chip shot field goal. So it literally almost to a T played out the exact same way. And we saw, I think, I would say a better performance from the offense than the defense here. I mean, the offense literally did enough to score on every single drive. Uh, they had the the missed field goal, obviously, that, that was uh, frustrating and missed an opportunity for a touchdown and a couple opportunities that drive. But other than that, they were crisp. They went right down the field. They were averaging 10 yards a carry late into the game. Deuce Vaughn was fantastic. The offense really could have done about whatever it is that they wanted to do throughout the entirety. Yeah, you know, if you think about it, not only is it a game we're supposed to win, but you got to win that recruiting battle. We talked about that early on in the state. And so I think that was a great showcase for future K-Staters to say, okay, I'm going to a school that owns the state. And so when they got to pick between KU and K-State, those games are important. Even though it looked lopsided when you, about the score, you're still dealing with recruits and trying to mentally prepare about which team are they going to pick between the two. Um, and so that was a benefit for Kansas State on that end. Second of all, Starting off the game, the one-two punch between uh, Deuce and Irvin is just ridiculous. Like, if you listen to the commentators, they're jumping on board now as well, right? It didn't matter who was getting the ball, but it was pretty to see. Irvin coming around the corner going for 10. Then you see Deuce coming around going for 10. Then Irvin for 10. Then Deuce for 80. Like, it was just a a back-and-forth ping-pong. So I think our one-two combination um, is a sweet spot for us around the running game. And then, once again, Scholars just as, as confident showing that senior leadership as we all expect. And so I like to see him getting comfortable and thriving uh, in his own play. One thing I'm starting to see that I don't like, though, is the chip shots. Uh, these late yeah. shots with Skyler going out of bounds is just starting to get ridiculous, right? And so obviously Hal got into a confrontation last week and, you know, was suspended for the first half here. But once again, it was another cheap shot. And so like the way the Irvin stepped up, I like the way the bench came up. But ultimately – We've got to figure out a way, and whether it's the refs or whatever the play is, you know, those shots are really not needed in this game. I'm glad you brought that up because, look, as a player, like somebody that's been out there, I'm very interested for your opinion on this because, I mean, that that was as cheap as a cheap shot gets uh, from Gavin Potter there, and he's somebody that obviously has a history not only with K-State but of doing things like that. The history with K-State, of course, is that he was at one point committed to K-State when he announced his where he was officially signing – he did the had a Texas Tech shirt, had a K State right. shirt, ripped them both off, had KU painted on his chest. It's kind of his personality, <laughs> and he's just been a guy that's invited a lot of that criticism from fans. Last year, he got an earful when Deuce Vaughn really made him look silly. This yep. year, he got an earful from K State fans after the cheap shot hit, and even before that, one of the touchdowns K State scored on the goal line, I believe it was Ben Sin at the fullback who got that touchdown. Like Sky, he was pushing and shoving Skyler Thompson earlier in the game, so he was. I mean, he's clearly trying to get under their skin. He's trying to be 
fairly dirty like that. And he's a guy that everybody hated already. And there's this history. And I settled that up to say, if I'm a player and I'm watching that happen to my quarterback, who's endured a season ending injury last year and came close to enduring a season ending injury this year. And then last week got hit on the sideline, just like that. I don't know how I would keep myself contained, you know? And so I, I think they do, they deserve a lot of credit. And I know Chris Kleiman credited Jermaine Carroll and the strength staff for helping keep some of those guys back. But man, as a player, that cannot be easy, right, to keep your cool in that type of scenario. You know, it is frustrating. I think what happens is if, if you look at last week, you know, when we get into a situation where we try to retaliate, you know, we may get the bad end of the stick, right? And so it's frustrating. Um, you know, obviously when Skyler goes down, it's always that that uh, that side like, uh-oh, is he going to get back up? And even this time he took a, longer, a little longer to get up. Yeah. Um, seemed like he couldn't grasp his breath for a little bit. And so – just those shots are just not needed in this game. I mean, I understand hard play, right? If, if it's within the, the lines and it's a hard hit, that's part of the game. But when you start taking cheap shots, that's when people get hurt. And so, obviously, um, you know, I didn't really look at, you know, Potter for the rest of the game. But I can tell you that if it's a blindside block that somebody can take on them, they would take it, right? And then you start to say, okay, are you going to hurt him? And so you got to think about how that really goes back and forth. And, and the game is already violent enough. When you try to force it to be violent, it really gets scary. And so hopefully teams going forward will take that out of their play. It's just not needed. Um, I think the ref should step in and they should have ejected him for that just because of it, it was, you know, it was something that he tried to do. It was he could have easily pulled up. You know, like I said, I can understand if it was a sack or something, but going out of bounds, um, the way he hit him, the way the flop after. I mean, the whole episode was was just too much. Right. And it just the thing about it is as cool as you think it is, you really lose respect from players. And so that's just something that that's not needed in this game. And it, it was really just a waste of time, honestly. Yeah. I mean, the flop after was better <laughs> worse than everything that happened before. I mean, so yeah, the whole, it just look, it, it very clearly spells out who Gavin Potter is as a, as a person and a football player, which is not something that uh, I would really want to associate with. And I'm, I'm sure the team doesn't either. I mean, we saw like Logan Long was tweeting, kind of making fun of him, bringing up a quote that he had from last year after the game team definitely doesn't like it. Definitely. Right. doesn't. Right. Were there instances? Did you did you ever have to stick up? Like, did your quarterback ever get hit when you were playing in a scenario like that? It wasn't. You know, I had some tough guys, right? I had Bishop Beasley and L. Roberson. Like, they they're pretty much bouncers on their own. They can take yeah. care of themselves, right? Um, but I do remember playing against Colorado, uh, and it, I was, you know, the, the ball went to the right, and I'm on the backside, and I'm kind of, you know, half jogging to get to the safety. Not a big thing because he's not in the play. And I turn around, and the corner just whacks me, right? It just, you know, and I'm like. Okay, it's one of those games, right? And then what happens is you catch them slipping and you try to cut block them. And then this becomes a game within a game. But all of that is dangerous, right? You can tear ACL, PCL, MCL. And so it's not really needed, but it happens within the game. And that's why they always say keep your head on a swivel. And so that's what they mean about that, just because cheap shots are always looking out for it. And back when I was playing, pump return right, everybody would peel around left, and it would just be clip after clip after clip after clip. And so – um, that can happen every play, but like I said, it, it's not really part of the game and it's not needed because you can really hurt somebody. Um, but one thing I do want to talk about being a wide out myself is Malik Knowles on the deep ball. Yeah. The way that he tracked the ball, the way that he ran the pivot route off of the stop route, right? Once you don't get it, you pivot back around, get leverage. He, he stacked the man, got on top. Then he gave a little bit of the shove off and then caught it, you know. Tracking the ball was magnificent. I've been waiting for him to catch another deep ball because he has talent. Um, they just haven't connected as much as I would have liked them over the last couple of years, right? And so um, that was something I was impressed by because he's got the frame, 
He's got the speed. Um, you know, he catches a short ball great. They just don't use him enough, as I would like to see in a long ball. And when they are, they're 50-50 balls, right? He doesn't always come down with those. But this time, I was really impressed with the deep ball. Big play. Seemed like he was into the game. And I've been really impressed with his play over the last couple of weeks. Yeah, well, that was the kind of play I think we've been just waiting for, hoping to see more of, you know, because with Malik, it's always you get the ball in his hands. He's he's elite. dynamic. He's great. Yeah. The problem has been at times like actually getting the ball in his hands down the field. You know, I mean, they can get it to him in the backfield. They can get it to him on some short tosses, special teams. We've seen all of that. But you've been waiting for the development as a receiver. And to me, that was the pl- a type of play that gave me a lot of faith in that, because like you said, I heard him explaining it after the game. Yeah, like, you know, we ran a short route. It wasn't there. And you can see Skyler like kind of gearing up and like waving him down the field. Mm -hmm. And he takes off and he utilizes that speed. He has a step on somebody. And then, and kudos to Skyler too. He threw a perfect ball. It's about as well thrown a ball as you could possibly deliver in that situation. And it works for a a huge score. And I I just hope that that's the kind of thing that generates some more confidence for Malik as as a receiver because. I'm not saying he's totally lacking for confidence by any stretch of the imagination, but I think he knows just as well as we do. Like that's what people have really expected out of him for a long time. So to see it come to fruition um, in a big spot like that, I think that that can only do good things for him moving forward. Yeah. The talent's there, right? You can see it as the confidence is there as a kickoff returner, right? You can see when he gets the ball, he'll take it eight yards deep and he may go to the house every, every time he touches it. And so as a receiver, um, very confident in short routes, a little bit of the out routes. The deep balls where I want to see him continue to flourish because that's really what his game ba- game breaking ability really is. And he, he, like I said, he has the frame, he has the speed, um, he's got the size, and he's just putting it all together. And so um, I was happy to see that play. That that just reiterated that he has what it takes to make those type of plays on a regular basis. But the third and fifteen that Warner caught on the dig route as he shaved it coming strong hands like. That was a big time play. And so I, I just started, I'm starting to look at the receivers and are all starting to step up in their own respective way when the time comes. And so they've all had their moments, right? And so because of that, um, I think I think Skyler's getting more comfortable with the receivers. I think we're starting to gel as an offense. We've won three straight games. However you look at it, whatever teams there are, the Big 12 wins, we'll take them, right? And so for the most part, these last three games, three or four games, are going to define K-State's season. And what I mean by that is we went through that, that gauntlet schedule, and we lost those three up front, right, to Okie State, Iowa State, and OU. But then we've won the last three here, you know, when you, when you look at that. And so now, what is the identity of the team, right? We've seen Deuce go for 100. We've seen Malik uh, catch 100. We've seen him, uh, you know, Skyler throw for 300. Like, where are we? And so I think these last couple of games have really highlight um, where we are as a team. I think it's a very, very valid point because most people, I think if you would have said at the beginning of the year, hey, you'll be sitting here on November 9th at six and three. Yeah. Most people would be like, yeah, that's pretty reasonable and not out of the norm. And we'd be okay with that. How it happened, though, you know, and it, that's always the way it is going into a season. You can say, hey, I'll be fine with that. And then you go through the ups and the downs of what's actually happening and you feel the emotions of all of that. But even in particular this season with three wins, three losses, three wins, just very streaky, which has been the MO really of the climate era. Uh, back to 2019, it was uh, three wins, two losses, three wins. I mean, it's followed this pattern. So now can you avoid having that slump on the back end here and finish strong? Because you are kind of, to me, back at square one right now after what's yep. happened in the last three weeks. This is what determines, do you take a step forward as a program 
or are you just going to be a six and six, maybe seven and five kind of a team that is somewhat disappointing? And the games here are all now looking certainly winnable. I mean, oh, yeah. look, Baylor, Baylor will be tough, but Baylor is looking more human. Texas is a is a disaster right now. West Virginia has been really struggling. But the other part about this, and I mentioned this at the top, is that Kleiman has also been very streaky with who he's beaten and who he hasn't beaten over the three years that he's been here. He has not beaten one of these teams yet as K-State's head coach. So I don't know how much you believe in there being – you know, some specificity to to the teams here and what what they have done to cause problems. But all that sets up for, I think, just a, a fascinating finish to the season and one that, like you said, is going to define this season and whether or not it's just OK or whether this is something people can really be excited about. I would like to see us at least at worst go two and one. Right. And so obviously three and no is the target. Um, but, you know, Baylor's a tough team. Um, Texas has talent for days and West Virginia just seems to have our number. And so those are three games that uh, – and they're middle of the pack teams, right? They could at any time win a Big 12, and it could at any time be at the back end of it. And so I think for us, um, we're in that same category as well. And so it's, it's, if we can beat those teams, I think that puts us in the up, upper tier uh, of the top four teams and helps with recruiting. I keep going back to recruiting. you got to get players into your facility in order to win games. And so I think that's a big thing for us. Uh, moving forward is how do we start winning the recruiting battle? Um, and then eventually you'll have these additional teams coming to the Big 12. And once again, that just thins it out sometime on trying to get certain players in certain states just because if they know teams are coming and are going to play in the Big 12, they have an opportunity to go play for that team. And so what can you do to win uh, the recruiting battle is what we should be looking forward over the next three games. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Two and one to me is where like I would be very happy one and two, okay. That's pretty much at what my expectation level was coming into the year. Yeah. I think the the other thing about that is if you if you do go two and one, we're talking about picking off one of Texas or Baylor. That there can be go. a fairly splashy, fun win, which this season had kind of been lacking, and each of the previous two had the Oklahoma wins. And I thought, you know, at the beginning of the year, well, you missed out on Oklahoma and Iowa State, and Oklahoma State may not be a chance for that the rest of the way, but the way Baylor has played, that set that up. Texas is always going to be Texas, and it's on the road. I mean, that that would be something very meaningful, especially with them on their way out of the conference here before too long. I think that would definitely mean a lot to fans this year, more so than last year. So, you know, this is a little more like narrative and fan-based, like those kind of storylines. But to me, there is something to that, and I always think probably more like a fan in that respect, where it's like people want not only a successful season, but they want something that's fun and leaves them with some – really memorable wins. And I think that was a part of like what got stale at the end of Bill Snyder's tenure is, you know, they had a lot of seven and five seasons, but they were seasons where they would just, they would beat everybody below them in the standings. They would lose yeah. everybody above them. And there just weren't real splashy things that could happen. I think that opportunity is still out there for this team. this year. Well, you need that signature win, right? And so whether it's a brand recognition um, or just the win that you weren't supposed to win, you need that win every year. And I'm not sure we have that win yet. And so going forward, like I said, the Baylor of this year and the Texas game in Austin sets up that opportunity, right? Texas is still Texas, right? Even if they're, even if they're not having the greatest year, they've got top talent on that team that will play at the next level for years to come. Um, big name coaching. So if we can go in there and not just be competitive, but actually come out with a victory, that's something we should really focus on. Yeah, well, and it, it does start. Look, you, you need to get this West Virginia game out of the way. Like, get oh, yeah. that monkey off your back. I know the players were talking about that at their press conference. Yeah. 
uh, today, which is Tuesday as we record this year. Um, they're they're well aware of the fact that they they have not not only have these guys not beaten them, Chris Kleiman and company, but K State has not beaten West Virginia since 2015, which is wild to think about. And each of the last two years, they've been really painful losses because two years ago, K State was a heavy favorite in 2019 toward the back end of the season. Everybody thought, hey, this this could very well be a nine win season, and they go and lose after scoring a touchdown on the first play of the game. And they lose to a new quarterback in Jarrett Dagey, who's still the guy there at West Virginia. There were a lot of weird circumstances surrounding that game. And then last year, K-State had been playing well with Will Howard as the backup to Skyler. 3-0 start to Big 12 play. You felt like, man, you win this game, you're going to be legitimately in the Big 12 title race. Well, K-State not only lost, but they got the doors blown off of them in Morgantown. And it was a prelude of things to come, unfortunately, for the rest of the year. So I, I just think there's there's as much motivation as possible as you could have for a 4-5 and five team. Uh, coming into town in West Virginia this week for K-State. It's a matter of can they solve this riddle? And so I guess I'll pose that question to you. Like, what what is it about West Virginia that's been so tough for, for this team? Well, West Virginia has always been streaky, right? If you think about historical, you know, West Virginia, they've always had a player or two, whether it's Kevin White, um, you know, or their run game. They've always had some players that you're like, don't really know a lot about them, but they're extremely talented, right? And so um, – just across the board, it's always been hard. And when Dana was there as a coach, that was a little bit more understandable because he he knew, like, what could beat K-State just because he was familiar with them and his time there. But now it's just – it doesn't feel like they're a Big 12 team, first of all, just because they're so far <laughs> out. And so I'm not sure if, if it's the fact that, you know, as fans, we don't really pay attention to West Virginia until it's actually game week. And then you get them and you don't know much about these kids, right? There's not kids that we're competing for from a recruiting standpoint. And so you don't you don't lose out on the Brees Hall that goes to Iowa State that's from Wichita when he's right in your backyard. Like that's somebody that you think about growing up. If you get a kid from Syracuse, New York that goes to West Virginia, he has no ties to the Big 12. And so it's nothing that we're really focused on. So I think you end up playing um, a team of people that you don't really know about, right? You scout them on film, but you don't have any history from them. There's not any relationships between the players looking at it. Similar to KU, K-State game, Devin Neal and, and, and uh, you know, Chris Vaughn, uh, Deuce Vaughn, they actually was like, oh, you know, they, they had some similarities there. They knew of each other. And so just things like that seem to be um, something that's not there for the West Virginia game. And so it's almost like a bowl game to where you're playing this team that you have no recollection about. You just study them on film. You don't really know if they're super physical. Um, and you just go out there and you learn as the game goes. And I think that's kind of what we fall into over the years with West Virginia. I think you're I think you're absolutely right. I think it's a part of it that there's not there's just not as much inherent motivation or rivalry to the game as there would be a lot of other schools across the league. Um, it is further away. There's gonna be less familiarity there with guys on the team. They are, you know, they have been sneaky, sneaky good, sneaky competent. Um, some of these years that they've won games against K-State. The other thing I always bring up, it's it's interesting now because K-State is playing this defense somewhat, but West Virginia has always been big on the 3-3-5. 3-3-5, yeah. And I, that is something that I can, you know, back to 2017, I remember uh, Skylar Thompson talking about the West Virginia game in 2017 and that defense and how it kind of stymied them. And then the same story in 2018 where it really shut them down. So, yeah, there, there seems to be something about that defense that's been really tough for K-State to solve as well. Well, the three-three-five is just an odd defense if you're a – from an offensive standpoint, right? You look at it, and it feels like they're in dying package with all those people back there. But the reality of it is that that nickel um, is almost like an outside linebacker, right? And that's and that's that's Reggie uh, Subblefield in our defense, right? Yeah. So 
you know, you, you've got Echo out there, and you've got uh, Brent on the other side, and you've got you've got Yeast, and you've got J Mac, and then you've got you know Reggie who who's blitzing all the time, right? Extremely physical at the line of scrimmage, and so he just causes havoc. And so it's always weird from an offense like, do you run that way? Do you run away from him? Is he going to catch you on the backside? You've got Green playing lights out as of last game, shooting the gap, making great plays, and so I just think it's a it's a weird defense to go against. Um, when you're trying to scheme for it, because it doesn't feel like you can pass just originally off the setup. But obviously when they're blitzing people, it just jumps into a four base defense on the back end. And then you can run, whether it's cover three, cover four, two, black, whatever it is. You can then run your curl flat schemes or you can run your everybody goals or your or your uh, your post digs, whatever you want to run. But it just feels weird off the initial setup. Like when you look at it, like what are they doing out there? And so I think that's kind of what's throwing us off a little bit as well. And West Virginia has just been so sporadic this year. It's hard to know exactly what you're going to get because they have the game against Iowa State a couple of weeks ago where they were great, particularly their offense was great, but the offense has been a real sticking point and a frustration uh, for that team most of the year, and it certainly was on Saturday against Oklahoma State where they were just shut down by the Cowboys' defense, which admittedly is very, very good. But I think it just sets the stage for a pretty intriguing matchup, as intriguing a matchup as you could get, I think, for a 6-3 and three team against a 4-5 and five team, right, and uh, as such, fairly close spread. It opened at minus six. So K-State is the favorite. It's a game that they should win, but I, I don't, you know, just for some cl- final closing thoughts here on the game, I do not think this is going to be an easy one at all. Not at all. I think we're going to have to go out there and execute once again. I think we're going to have to lean on more than just our starters. And so this is hopefully where all of the rotation and all of the second and third stringers or guys that have rotated in that's got some experience are going to have to come around just because they're going to be keying on our run game. Um, they're going to be keen on Skyler. So guys are going to have to step up that historically hasn't stepped up. And so anxious to see if that playing time has really benefited us in that aspect. Yeah, good news. Chris Kleiman said everybody's pretty much as healthy as they've been in a long time. And then yeah. uh, they had everybody at practice earlier this week. So good sign on that front. Got out of Lawrence with plenty of health. All right, if you're going to be checking out the game, remember, get the 360 Vodka. Check those guys out. They've been amazing to us. Uh, and can really help boost your tailgate for this weekend. If you're going out to Bill Snyder Family Stadium or if you'll be staying back watching the Cats on TV at 11 a.m. It's going to wrap it up for us. For Aaron Lockett, I am John Kurtz. Thanks for checking out another Lock It Up with Kurtz here on KCSN. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.